Everyone faces questions and decisions that require insight and answers as we move forward personally, professionally, and corporately in all areas of this thing we call life in America today. Hello, this is Joe Schofield, and I invite you to tune in every Monday evening from 6 to 7 p.m. as we talk together and hear from key leaders of all ages and backgrounds about your questions. Interesting, informative, intuitive, but always encouraging. Tune us in on BBS Radio Network. Join Pastor Joe and co-hosts Ron Greer, Dr. Paul Hall, Stephanie Thayer and Dr. Craig Thayer in Raising Expectations. Ladies and gentlemen, hey, thanks for tuning in tonight to be with us on your show, Raising Expectations. And uh, we're sure glad that uh, you're here tonight with us. And uh, I'm coming to you live and direct from the great state of Texas tonight. And uh, they usually do this, but I usually do this. (laughs) (laughs) That's an honor of Dr. Thayer right there. So we just thought we'd throw that one out there. So anyway, yeah, my family out here in Texas really got a kick out of that already. They've been talking about that. So uh, uh, we're glad you're with us tonight. And you know how we always like to share with you who our people are on our team. You pretty well know who the team is. And uh, so we want to be able to uh, take you to them live and direct uh, from where they're located. Because we go across the nation and uh, we want you to know your family and the team well. So again, in the West, in the United States of America, we find on the West Coast, the great thriving metropolis of Lompoc, California, which is next to Santa Barbara. And there in Santa Barbara, you will find, it's still there, right, Paul? So far, yes. After all the rain? Yeah. As of late this afternoon, it was still here, yes. Still there. We heard there was, (laughs) yeah, we heard there was a pothole on 101 that took out 25 or 30 cars before they they stopped them with with flat tires. So, uh, boy, I'm glad they're safe and sound. So, there's been a lot of rain in California, folks. So, in any event, Dr. Hall has been a friend of mine for over 50 years. Uh, He is a retired pastor, a theologian, a professor, loves the Word of God, and his life is a reflection of that. He has friends in ministry and friends he's helped all over the place. And uh, he's just been a blessing in my life all those years. So, uh, Paul, I'm sure glad you're up there. Good to see you up there. Good to see you, too. Good to see all of you. That's right. What a great time it is. We're looking forward to tonight. And if you go across the nation to the East Coast, the, the south side of the East Coast, they're in uh, south uh, North Georgia, near South Carolina, not far from the bend of the river in Chattanooga, Tennessee, which you can see from Lookout Mountain. If you climb up there and look back, you'll see Alabama, too. But uh, uh, if you go a little further, you'll see Dalton, Georgia. And that's where Dr. Thayer and Stephanie Thayer live, and that's where they minister. And uh, we're excited because their boys play water polo like their dad. And uh, they just are in Dallas this weekend. Isn't that right? You're playing? That's right. Tell them about your son real quick. They need to hear this. You go. You go. So our youngest was chosen to represent, I guess it was the sixth state. There were, he's one of 26 boys in his age. 
well, two-year age range that got to go represent um, our states. And so he competed. He did really, really well. It was an act of God to get to Dallas. And we got there. And um, then they have two more sets of rounds. And depending on how he does, they actually have national teams for these kiddos that end up feeding into the Olympic program. So it's a really big honor even just to be a part of that first step. So it was it was fun. And he got to play with the best kids that he's usually competing against. So it's oh, fun yeah. all of a sudden to be on this powerhouse <laughs> team and, you know, your enemy is now your friend sort of a situation. <laughs> wow, isn't that exciting? That's yeah. some. They play like their dad. All right, who coaches and works with them now. One of the many things he does as a as a trauma surgeon and as working with health and nutrition, uh, he is um, – we're, we're excited to see how his boys do. They have two fine sons and – I know that they're both doing very well in what they're accomplishing there as you minister to them. You're looking at a set of great parents here, folks, that work very hard with their kids. And Stephanie, of course, is a leading health and wellness specialist. And like we say, with the two of them together, she is, is the founder and CEO of uh, Quenching Wells, who she can take care of you and put you on the spot. If you don't feel good this year, make this year. You see both of them and talk to them, go online, go on our website there and you'll find them on, on our website and let them help you out. They'll put you back in the pink in no time. You'll be as healthy as Paul and I, you'll feel really good before you know it. <laughs> so I don't know yeah, why no. she's laughing, Paul. Well, she don't. Me neither. <laughs> anyway. Hi. Yeah, I don't look bad for 126 years old. I'm okay. <laughs> exactly, exactly. You know, I don't know. I have a confession to make. It's a lousy confession. But you know, Steph, I didn't get one piece of fudge in the whole month of December. Oh, we God. almost mailed you fudge you and we forgot. I didn't get to have it one time. So I think I have a question. Is there, if you don't get it in December, can you fudge and have it in January? Or can you have fudge in January? I think you get like an extension. Yeah. An extension, Paul. You have, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, you heard it first, folks, on raising expectations. You can have fudge if you didn't get it in December, and you can have a little later. So that's going to be a home run. So moving from the East Coast to the Central America, the great state of Texas, where I am right now. We we could go a little further. Yes, yes, yes. There, Ron. I knew Ron would give me the hook 'em horn sign. But Ron, you heard the good news. We get a little more fudge, brother. We can spread it out there. Pastor Ron Greer is there in the great city of McKinney, Texas, and he works. Uh, yes, he's he's been a pastor. He has helped people all of his life in one way or another. And he is with Men in the Mirror, and he helps men become. Uh, more godly men for their husbands, for their wives, rather, for their families, for their jobs. <laughs> See that head shaking? Yes, I'm in a different situation, as you could tell. I'm not in my home spot right now. Yeah, that was a slip of the tongue, people. Yes, uh, that's right. <laughs> yeah, I just want to clarify that for you. That's right. Anyway, he does a great job. <laughs> What he does in helping guys to get their lives on track. Ron, Ron's kind of the uh, the answer man. He goes to the Word of God and gives them answers, and those are the answers that change their lives. And he does an incredible job with that. And uh, love this team of people. They're absolutely phenomenal. They bless my life beyond words, what I can say. And uh, so we're so grateful that you have tuned in to be with us tonight, because tonight we have another part of our Racing Expectation family. 
We have been so excited over the last two years that God has given us a team of about 26, 24 to 26 people that we count as part of our family. So uh, one of those people is very special. You got to see uh, her with one of our friends, Charles Lingerfield from Texas. We talked about Christmas and family and what it meant and all the different things. Dr. Georgette Nichols is a doctor of pharmacy. Uh, that means she's not just a pharmacist, but she's also a doctor. That She knows all the ins and outs of what all those pills are. She knows them by name. But the best part is she knows what they do. do. So she can help doctors with that also. And uh, you know what? She is a trooper. She is a little under the weather, not feeling real well. But we prayed for her today, and she's with us tonight. So we want to give a round of applause for our special guest, part of our family, Dr. Georgette Nichols. We're glad you're with us tonight. And uh, Georgette, we we talked a little about uh, what you were going to share tonight. Why don't you lead us in with that opening thought and uh, welcome again. Thanks for being who you are because you bless our lives and those that hear you here on Raising Expectation. Thank you for having me. And yes, I'm not going to sound the same, <laughs> but I, I'm, I am working on it. And I have lots of hot fluids and some cough drops popping will happen on this the show tonight <laughs> so yeah and um thanks for having me on pastor joe and kind of what we wanted to talk about was addiction i thought that when we kind of would lead into the new year i know stephanie can definitely talk about sugar addiction we talked about the fudge addiction and <laughs> yes. um, so everyone has different addictions um and uh even myself and so yeah i thought we'd go with that and we talk about the fentanyl which we all know how much i'm passionate about that um so yeah absolutely well i know we have some questions things we were thinking about things you've been talking about who uh stephanie ladies first would you like to to uh direct that way or if not you can pass ron and i will that's fine I can't, it's, it's a lot of pressure, but I, uh, you know, I, I do, I talk about sugar addiction a lot, but, um, I have noticed it's everywhere and it can be a video game. It can be your phone. It can be gambling. It can be alcohol. It can be pornography. It can be pills. It can be drug, all these like, but sometimes it's so simple, what it could be. And it seems so prevalent in society. Any thoughts around why or what's going on? Like, why is it? It's just everywhere. Well, I think there's a couple. Of, I think there's a couple of reasons. I think we're <clears throat> we're moving away from a God-centric world, <clears throat> and you know, as we move away from a God-centric world, we open ourselves up to all these. Um, we'll just call them temptations, right? Um, so yeah, my addiction is I like reality TV show. So, um, it's Recovering. Like, right? I was like, it puts We're me sure. down. Because <laughs> nothing's really sure. happening. Um, so yeah. Um, but I think we're moving away from that. We're moving away from a God-centric world. We have so many more um, avenues to get everything we want. Um, so I'm sick, right? I, I haven't left my house. I'm not going to lie. Um, so I've had my food delivered like a good millennial. Um, I've had my groceries delivered because you know, I didn't want to go infect, you know, too many people. And I really didn't feel good. Um, and so that just makes it easy. Admittedly, I, I did waste some money in, in that endeavor, but, you know, I didn't get everyone sick. So I guess it was a win-win. Um, but that makes it on the flip side, it feeds into our addictions, right? So I could get anything I wanted delivered. 
um, whatever I wanted. Um, the internet helps us with that. Definitely Amazon. Um, so we just really have all these avenues now. So as we moved away from a God-centric world, we, we took a highway to every pleasure we wanted, um, pretty much at our fingertips. Um, so yeah, and then that just, it's just however anyone's wired. You know, some people it's sugar. Some people, like you said, it's drugs. Um, some people it's porn. Um, so some there's more, you know, they have more than one addiction, but um, yeah, definitely. I think those two things, I think, um, and we, we expect a instant gratification now in our society. Mm. And that's especially prevalent in medicine. Um, we really expect, I know Dr. Thayer sees this, I, we expect that we go to the doctor with a script for a result. Um, and pretty much that's just expected out of anything we do. Um, so instant gratification with a result. <clears throat> and that's just really not life. Um, but yeah. <laughs> that's it. Anybody have a comment on that? No, I mean, it's true. I, I can think of a couple things as a physician. Super nice lady I'd seen for some other problem, maybe breast cancer, but came in just with a larger belly, thought she had a hernia. I examined her, I don't feel any hernia. And, uh, and I think partly from depression, she was starting to drink more, so more calories liquid-wise. Mm-hmm. which in, in alcohol will frequently go to your mesentery rather than, you know, gives you central obesity. So, mm-hmm. and so I got a CT scan of her belly and then I got a chance to walk her into my office and show her the CT scan. So the sub-Q fat was only about that much. But all this blackness around her intestines was fat. So she had put a ton of mesenteric fat on herself over the course and so it wasn't going to be a quick fix of my doing a hernia repair was she needs to change what she's doing. Right. Yes. So yes. she wasn't happy. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. I was reading about addiction today and I, I was really curious you know, how we define addiction. I think everybody walking the street could say they know some eat someone who is addicted or maybe know a little bit about addiction uh, there's a, a journal in the United Kingdom called Action on Addiction that says one in three people in the world have an addiction of some kind. You know, that's one third of the population of the world. That's a, that's a few billion people. Wow. And uh, as I thought about addiction a little bit, and Tank, uh, maybe you can jump in here and Georgette, uh, the definition I found is it's a chronic uh, which means persisting or o- over a long period of time or constantly recurring. It's a chronic dysfunction of the brain system that involves reward, motivation, memory, and the way your body craves a substance or a behavior, especially if it causes a compulsive or obsessive pursuit of reward or lack of concern over consequences. Now, I-, I thought that was a pretty inclusive definition about addiction. The two things that popped out to me in, in, Georgette and Tank and, and Ron, you know, speak to this. Um, addiction is not a, it's, in my opinion, it's not a simplistic kind of thing. It's, it's complex. It involves so many body systems. But the first thing that I found in this definition of, of interest is it's a dysfunction of the brain system uh, that involves reward, motivation, memory, uh, those, those, those kinds of things. And then 
how your body craves that over a period of time. Could you could you kind of speak to um, of that that area of being a dysfunction of the brain system? Can you can you help us out with that a little bit? If I understand it, like the frontal lobe, the frontal cortex is the pleasure zone, you know, of the brain, if you know those kind of things. But um, it seems like if we could just say, uh, well, we'll give you something simple to break the cycle. But how do you break a cycle? You know, a recurring cycle. So I don't know if that's a confusing question or if I framed it in such a way but but there's just a whole lot more going on than what we think you know somebody's addicted something's going on bigger than we can imagine okay so could you kind of both speak to that ladies first (laughs) well so essentially it's talking about whatever you really pursue Usually the substance will, usually the substance that you pursue causes a release of um, some neurotransmitters. And those are um, dopamine and serotonin, which are both um, feel-good hormones. We'll just call them feel-good neurotransmitter hormones. And so normally sugar can do that, um, sex can do that, gambling, um, even your phone, how um, Instagram and Facebook works actually does a, a, a way to keep showing you everything you like. So behind the scenes, it algorithms what it knows you like, so that it keeps showing you over and over what you like. And that's kind of the basis of addiction is, you know, you are seeking out something you like, no matter what it is. Because usually the substance will cause this, these neurotransmitters to release, but also the process of doing it can also become a reward system. And I think that was in, <clears throat> I think that was in psychology with, um, I want to say Freud, but I'd have to look it up. Um, but there was a big study in that showing with the mice and the um, button and pleasure, essentially. Um, and so that's really... It rewires your brain, not only the substance, but the actual act and the gratification of completing that act starts rewiring your brain. And it does it such in a way that it it continues this loop that you do get pleasure from things that may be bad. And that's how, um, you know, if it's more um, harming in nature, the, the thing you go after, that's how harm can actually cause gratification for some because um, they're able to, for whatever reason, use, I guess, in their mind, a way to funnel that towards it causes um, them to release the uh, the neurotransmitters that make them feel better. And so it really is a very um, chronic condition. Um, it's, It's very complex. I really think someday they'll find out that there's a a metabolism or a genetic like metabolism link to addiction because for example um norcos or percocet uh, dr there like when i take them i get i get so nauseous like i have and i'm not i don't get high or if i do i it's totally displaced by the puking that i'm enduring by just taking one pill and then there are people that take those that don't ever throw up that immediately feel amazing and they're like, I feel great. I love feeling like this. And, you know, I don't 
I don't really like feeling loopy, so that may be it. But um, I just get so sick, and that, that's the other half of it. So I think they'll find there's a genetic leak uh, someday. I really do, on top of um, just the whole process of itself. Um, but, yeah, wow. that's my thought. Yes. Yeah, I, I would have I would have nothing there. She hit she hit everything on the head. And the biggest surprise to me was it can be the chase of something that raises your dopamine levels that, that once you achieve it, and it can happen in business. So there's a guy going around talking about neurochemistry. Who was that guy? You remember him? Anyway, so she she was playing some of that stuff uh, for me on a podcast, and um, yeah, it was just uh. And it drops. There's a period of time you have to recover, but then the chase begins again. And yeah, the chase is usually more of the dopamine hit than the actual achieving. Hmm. This is a fascinating podcast. Yes, yeah, that's totally true too. And then they live for if you take it if you take it to just heroin. Um, you listen to anyone that's been interviewed on a heroin addiction, and they'll tell you that the first time they did it was the very best. And they lived every moment chasing that moment. And mm. I think that that's probably almost a lot of addictions, I'd say. People probably really thought about it and looked at that very moment. And I think it has to do with the fact, like you guys just said, the chase, the act that they were doing, what they knew they weren't supposed to do, maybe internally, right? That this was going to open, you know, let's say the Pandora's box. And there's something in that moment and in that rush that um, I think that they're always chasing. And ironically enough, I was uh, talking to some friends about this dopamine, um, you know, which is a, a pleasurable, feel-good neurotransmitter, is a precursor to the, um, adrenaline. So your body eventually makes this uh, substance that produces um, euphoria-like effects and happiness and mood, eventually becomes adrenaline. And if you think about that, that's just interesting in itself um, and how your body works. But that's when you wow. geek out too much about structures. <laughs> wow. Well, uh, well the, um, a lot of the guys, and, and well, some women, but mostly guys that we work with over the years, um, I, I would say in their description is that that first hit or that first uh, horn card or flick they saw or first experience, like you said, there is a, it's absolutely amazing to them. Um, and, you know, the, the, the immediately following that, yeah, I want, they, it's because of this pleasure they received out of it. But uh, it, the strange thing to me is that, especially long time drug users, it, it's, it, it, it indeed is a chase, um, but it, it goes, sometimes it goes a little, little, little more than that. It's, it, it's somehow this sort of a fulfilling uh, sort of experience. Does that make sense at all? Mm-hmm. It, it's, so it's, it's not simply the pleasure of it. It's, it's the, the sense of, of um, newness or completeness, but that dwindles also. It's like the pleasure dwindles, that sense of completeness and, you know, fulfillment dwindles. And then, you know, some of the older guys get to a point where, it doesn't take you long to realize that your life is kind of screwed up, mm. that that you're kind of out of control, and for and I don't quite understand it. But then the uh, the pursuit to gain, regain control, right? The, the intensity of stop doing it, 
or, or not doing it in itself compels them to do it. It's uh, my brother, uh, one of my brother's uh, late brothers that died. You know, he'd have these these moments, these times, these periods where people think, well, he's great. He's fine. He's got a job. He looks good. He's you know, he looks healthy and he's had great conversation and on and on. And then out of the clear blue, he would disappear for days on end and he'd, he'd go and binge. And you and no one understood why. I mean, how do you do that? If you you were successful. You were doing fine. You were no longer you've been clean for eight, nine months. But something in that. Um, somewhere in there, uh, just the pressure from not doing it causes them to finally just break and give up. It's like, well, I'm, I might as well go ahead and do it because I, I, I can't stop. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's the, the, the other frightening and uh, horrendous thing to me at the time. Uh, because it, you know, early on when you start working, folks, you get guys who recover and then six, eight months down the line, you go, you know, you're feeling good because you helped the guy. And then all of a sudden, it goes, it blows up and it gets to your point and realize like, you know what, this is not as simple as we thought it was. And me personally, I, I, I really think that something happens in the brain where it rewires it, mm-hmm. where it's, it's not as simple as stop doing it or get them away from drugs because every drug addict that, that we've worked, that I work with it, they, they would simply substitute one addiction for another. And and this, and to be honest with you, uh, in the beginning, I'm going okay. Let's do the non-harmful addiction, get yeah. to get you away from the the, uh, the harmful one, and then find a way to work you out of those addictive habits. But uh, yeah, it, it is one of the most horrendous things for me. I, I think one of the most satanic things ever. Mm. Wow, that's something. You know, when the psychology of all this gets dovetailed into the uh, the actions etc cetera, etc cetera. Uh, for example it was Freud who said that the purpose of life is pleasure uh, Adler said the purpose of life is power um, Victor Frankl said the purpose of life is to find meaning and I, in the midst of all these kind of things and, and talking about the com- complexity of it um, and helping people work through their addictions. Um, that's why I, uh, I mentioned earlier that it seems to be much more, much more complex than we are willing to engage. Um, you know, in, in, in our culture, I appreciate Georgette, you know, saying that we we're moving away. We seem to be gravitating away from a Christ centered or God centered uh, focal focal point. Uh, as a matter of fact, not only moving away, but highly uh, critical of any mention of hope in Christ. You know, and, and so it it becomes it becomes um, burdensome um, until eventually, I think. And this is only my thoughts. Until eventually. Uh, the enemy and evil presses us to a point where we say, what's the point? And we give up, you know, to, okay, well, that's how it's going to be. So, so let, let's manage it. Right. Case, in, case in point, uh, my son-in-law works in the medical industry and he was reading a, uh, a medical paper the other day about what's going on in Canada and Canada is opening. Uh, they're trying to open more and more uh, clinics, you know, to help people get past their addictions 
And he said, but the irony of it is that the Canadian government, uh, because the waiting list is so long, that the Canadian government is uh, making a commitment to buy your drugs for you until you can get into a detox yeah. facility, you know. And so I'm, th- I'm, I'm thinking this is just crazy, insane. Uh, and, and so um, which points us back to, I believe, Christ, Christ as our hope. You know, he's he's our hope to break that cycle uh, to get our get our thinking and, you know, in the right direction. So. Um, I just I just think there's a sense there's there's almost a sense of helplessness to where uh, wh- where do you go? Which way do you turn and and who can help? You know, so just observations, you know, it's mm, good from a town that has 16 pot clinics, you know, uh, right <laughs> now, dispensaries and, and getting more. I mean, it's just it's just to the point of, of asinine ridiculous. I mean, it's just oh, yeah. it's, it boggles your head. You know. we, we were visit. We were visiting our son, uh, who has a business there in Oakland. Uh, and one of the things I ended up seeing was they have these uh, uh, was a kind of a clinic, a safe, clean uh, material they give. Right? right. I, I was a little shocked at how how much they give them. In other words, so you have this government there giving them clean needles, uh, uh, restriction bands. Uh, Narcan, in case they over D, OD. I mean, anything you can imagine, they gave them all sorts of little little tools that street uh, junkies use. Uh, the city gives them some better tools so that they don't, you know, somehow get sick or die. And going, wait a minute, but he, they couldn't tell me how many treatment centers the city or the county provided. There's hardly any. So it's mm-hmm. like the government. So the government is, is promoting and helping you get high and it, it feeds your addiction, but nothing to get you away from the addiction. That, that it's it's a sinister, wicked thing to me. Yeah. And I, I'm reminded of First uh, John two, uh, where it says, uh, uh, for, "For for in this world, um, the desire, the, the lust of the flesh." The uh, the, pri- the desire of the eyes and mm-hmm. uh, the pride of life, right? Yeah. Other other things that direct us. And he says they are not from the Father; uh, they are from Satan. Mm-hmm. And it, it's, and drug addiction and is one of those things. If you never ever believe anything in Scripture, this is one thing that convince you. That's something way beyond the world we live in. This is this, you can't yeah. explain it the other way. Yeah. And I, I think- just it, it's horrible, horrible to me that that, that city officials. Take an yeah. promote it as opposed to there's such a goofiness too i mean i would think a heroin addict looking for a fix the last thing on his mind is is this a clean needle you know i mean it just it doesn't make any sense you know it, because in reality it doesn't they don't care no they don't care yeah. so weird oh but that's because i truly think that you know we um so we chose the wrong symbol for medicine. We chose the symbol of two snakes um, for medicine versus one snake. And um, if you go back and you start digging into that, the two snakes actually represented um, profit and not healing. Mm. And so I think if we really think about it, and we've all kind of talked about it, I mean, we're really not... Um, 
about healing um, because to 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 promote healing, you would have to promote a more um, you would have to have a God centric world. I'm sorry, there's really no way to say it any other way to get true healing, spiritual um, and physical. You would have to you would have to promote that. And so we actually chose it was the Greek God Hermes. So the god Hermes carried the staff catechist, which was a staff with two snakes. And that represented the, um, um, it represented balance and it represented um, uh, profit, essentially. Mm. Wow. Tank, yeah. you had a thought there? Yeah, I was going to say, because you brought it up before, uh, Georgette, that why do you think the incidence of addiction was so high with the traveling nurses? So the reason I think is they didn't have um, they didn't they didn't have a responsibility to the company. They had different um, standards of expectations um, because they were in a subcontracted company. When you use a subcontracted company, which we did with our travel nurses, for example, a lot of them were from FEMA. Um, you took the travel company's standard of employment versus yours. And so, and then they weren't there long enough to really um, be caught. It takes a while to catch a theft behavior pattern, especially on where the nurses were located in the hospital. It's somewhat easy in a Pixis. It's harder if they're in an ICU. But also during the pandemic, we didn't have any of the um, checks and balances. No one was really going and, and monitoring really what people pulled as, as they used to because it was so busy. Um, so on top of all that, they, you know, they weren't there. They traveled. They had a network um, of, of places they went. Um, they were able to easily keep accomplishing what they wanted. Um, so, and I really think, I really think both the fentanyl is not from the border. And the reason why is when we shut down the world, our overdose deaths rose in fentanyl. And how did that happen? If I can't get toilet paper shipped in because my boat is setting off the coast and not coming in because of COVID restrictions, vaccination cards and trucks aren't crossing the border because of vaccinations and restrictions. And how did we ship in all the fentanyl? It just doesn't, it doesn't make sense. If everything shut down, how did we increase in overdose deaths? And no one can explain that to me. And the thing is, there's, there's so much different information about fentanyl. They say, you know, there's one host sac that says you can't touch it and you die, or you can touch it and you die. And then there's one host sac that says, oh no, it can't be absorbed that way. Well, it's in a patch. And then you have pharmacists out there that sits there and goes, oh, it's the patch that delivers the drug. No, that patch doesn't have needles that sticks into your, it just sticks on your skin. So if it just sticks on your skin, this is logical sense here, guys. Like that means it goes through the skin. You know, this isn't that difficult, but you know, there's so many different ways. And then they say you can't absorb it and you die. And then there's police officers that do die just by touching it and inhaling it. And it's it's a really a big concern. I wish more people were worried. They're getting more concerned with more of the younger people dying. But, you know, another thing that's interesting is I have addiction doctor friends and I asked them why, um, 
why they think fentanyl overdose deaths are increasing. And they said something that I didn't ever think about. They said, well, the addicts aren't dying. Addicts don't die. And I said, what do you mean? And they said, well, an addict knows how to dose themselves um, so that they sustain life. Um, and they want to do that. And so um, the younger people, if they are dying, they really aren't addicts. That probably is their first hit. And it was tampered with on weed or um, someone bought um, an ADHD drug on the street. One time I was talking and a lady came up and said that their daughter's friend bought Ritalin on the street and died because it had fentanyl. Um, so yeah, the, I think I think someday we'll find out. It sadly is really from a lot of our hospitals. Um, and it's just so potent. It just takes a little bit and you're, you're high and it's there for a long time. I, I think you're right from, from uh, again, from some of the kids here. It's, how do I say this? I hope my sister isn't watching, but uh, so my niece uh, died of an overdose. Uh, she's one. Uh, but it was one, it, no one in the family would accept uh, the fact that she committed suicide. And they, they just thought I was, I was, it was the most cruel thing I could, I could tell them. But it was, my my intent was to get them to start focusing on the real issue and not because she, she had been doing drugs, a heavy drug user for, for years. And that was the whole point. Like, listen, she's a drug user. She knows what's enough and what's not. She, she's experienced at this. Uh, an overdose occurs, like we said, I told you, an overdose occurs among a novel, a novel, a novelist or some kid who's never tried it before. Someone talks them in and they don't know what they're doing. But she and then uh, have an uncle also who overdid, OD'd rather, and he was probably his late 50s. He had been doing heroin and hard drugs since he was in his early 20s. And going, you don't OD with that kind of expertise. It's, it's the people. And here's a, another example is uh, the George Floyd uh, death in Minneapolis. Yeah. You look at the, at the level of fentanyl in his body and you go, wait a minute, I thought that killed people. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, it you're a novice or in your body hasn't, you know, sort of adapted to it or something, or then how you, and how you ingest it as well. So, yeah, I, I think you're right. It's, it's a not, it's those, all the new bored people who have been isolated and don't have social outlets who are uh, being afraid and finding other ways to stimulate themselves, uh, especially among the, among the kids that have the yeah. music. Yeah. And that's, it's, it's really sad. Um, yeah. yeah. You know, they, they didn't go into it wanting that, you know, right. see commonly. Um, and then now, I mean, if you talk about another interesting thing with uh, fentanyl is the, you know, the law of supply and demand pretty much exists in all society. Um, but what's even interesting with fentanyl is the supply is up and the price is quite low. So that doesn't, yes. that's an, an unusual um, thing. So usually when the demand is up, right, the price increases. Um, and that's what that we've seen that with heroin. Um, and this is, a, this is a hundred times more um, <clears throat> concentrated and deadly than heroin. So um, yeah, there is some, there is some math to that, that it's so potent and you can make so much that maybe you can charge cheaper, but I just don't think you can charge that cheap if you shipped it from China. 
You know what I'm saying? Um, so I was like, just if we look at that and look at this law of supply and demand and then start calculating our fares in from China where it's made and then it's being taxied up through the border, I just don't know how it's so cheap still. I just five, five countries comes. Yeah. I was like, you know, all, all that that trip around the world. Um, so yeah. There's a there's a lot. I definitely think um it will be used in in um, our our days, our later days. I really do. I think it'll be used for something. I don't know what quite yet, but it's just too deadly. It's too addicting. Um, it was created by. Um, I'm going to get in trouble. They're going to get mad at me. But Janssen Pharmaceuticals, which is the. Um, it was created in the 50s by um, Dr. Janssen himself who just so happens to be the branch of Johnson and Johnson. Mm. Wow. So very um, ironic that Johnson and Johnson has brought us the most powerful um, painkiller. Uh, mm. <laughs> uh, who wants to touch that? So anyway, yeah. um, <laughs> I'm sure they won't like anything from me. I say it. <laughs> it is a little ironic. Well, we were going to ask you about your thoughts with medicine and profit. Maybe, maybe take a side I think we touched on it. Yeah. We just got started on that one. Well, maybe that's that one. Time. Yeah, Janssen made it. Um, Janssen made it. Been around since the '60s, and we picked the wrong symbol. Um, we so what? What? Tell, tell people. Tell people why. What was? What was the initial intent to for its use? It was used as an analgesic. Dr. Thayer knows this. It really had a slow rollout. It was really for a terminal pain, I think, right? In the beginning, Dr. Thayer is really more. Yeah, the fentanyl patch, which took yeah. about three days to kick in, but it worked well once it was working. Yeah, it um, it was used for terminal cancer patients. Um, that, Like you said, it, you put the patch on, they got a slow pain relief, and, you know, they didn't um, have to suffer. And then for whatever reason, it started going into the operating room. I really don't know. It's been around so long, but it, it did make a clear start distinguisher from terminal pan cancer pain patients and the lozenges and that to, to uh, or lollipop, fentanyl lollipop, to the, um, to the operating room. And then that's really um, where we see its uptick. But another interesting thing is you got to consider, too, is we took away Percocet. So I'd like to see, you know, we took away our pill mills, we took away Percocet, so we've left everyone out there after Purdue Pharma did their their fun games um, with all these addictions, and then, um, you know, really what would they have chosen out, they, they wouldn't have gotten that same high from heroin because of the Percocet's way stronger than heroin as well, not as much as fentanyl, so they were almost forced to fentanyl once you removed uh, the Percocet from the market, um, from the pill mills. So um, that's also another interesting thing that I'd like to see someone someday kind of um, go down that in a, some kind of documentary or something. I'd like to see that. I'd like to see the prevalence and especially Appalachia, what, how they're doing um, in, the, in the fentanyl pandemic because that's where it was really bad um, for the pill mills. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that'd be interesting. Yeah, anesthesia would say fentanyl has less of a histamine release. It has, it has a less, say that again, Doc? Less of a histamine release. So if you have a histamine release, you can have allergies and 
fives and a bunch of other things. So, so less scratchies, but more dumb. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, so we scratch a little less and a lot more people. I want to scratch. I just, I, I'll risk it all. <laughs> and there, there's a, there's a, there's a soup fentanyl. Yep. That's like, how many times more powerful is that than fentanyl? I'd, I'd have to look it up. It's, it's even yeah, it's, it's huge. double and, check. I and think there's the Cartier. car fentanyl too. There's car fentanyl and sea fentanyl. Um, yeah, wow. they're even they're even more dangerous. Um, and those are now making it on the street, which is getting even um, more interesting. It's five to ten ten times more um, potent than fentanyl. Wow. And it's five hundred times more potent than morphine. That's sea fentanyl. Wow. Um, and then they have. I think it even has faster onset of action too, which means it hits you quicker. Um, wow. it makes it more popular. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. Oh wow. So, it, uh, can you give us an update on your, your sort of experience and journey, given where the fentanyl thing we're talking about? Here? Yeah, definitely. So, um, I'm still in my lawsuit. Um, I still have two going. Um, I have one with the National Labor Relations Board, um, because you can't fire a pharmacist for reporting theft. Um, so I'm still going down that. Um, but. You have to go to court to, 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 to make that case. That's wow. America. Isn't it wonderful what a country That's is? amazing. Um, I'm just tossed out the court system. So I have that one. Um, and then I also have my personal civil lawsuit um, that I'm working on. Um, mm -hmm. I'm still, I think we're pushing back our dates. Um, I have another DEA agent that's getting more interested. So prayers for that. Um, so yeah, the DEA is a strange creature. They only accept, I didn't know this, they only accept evidence on a CD-ROM, which makes <laughs> a query because, you know, they're monitoring our Facebook likes and Twitter accounts, but they only accept evidence on a CD-ROM that I have to burn. Well, so, alleg uh, allegedly. Yes, allegedly. That's why I'm like, okay, this, this dog and pony show is getting a little old. Oh, no, that you guys are um, up to speed with technology now. So um, <laughs> wow. I'm still doing it. I'm still talking. Oh, I have a, I have a talk. I'm actually teaching and continuing education. Right. Um, so you'll get CE credits. Um, that's February 4th in Dallas. I'm talking about systemic medication theft in our healthcare systems and mm. I'm teaching people on how to catch it. Um, so that's pretty cool. Um, I'm really excited about that. I haven't taught CE before. I'm excited to turn to a different, um, a different role instead of like round, 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 angry, bad. Why are you doing it now? It's like, hello, let's talk education, people. Let's catch up and let's start, you know, catching some thefts. And um, I haven't decided yet if I'm gonna ever tell them. In the CE, I lost my job for reporting theft. I haven't decided. I'm praying about it. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I don't want them to be discouraged. I want right, them to right. be encouraged and, in, 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 you know, vitalize, revitalize, and be like, yes, let's go get them. We yes. took this course. We're ready. We saw these polls. We're, we're ready to go. We're going to do the right thing. Um, so I kind of want to be like the cheerleader towards good instead yeah. of, you know the negative so yeah yeah, yeah. i think that'd be good <laughs> yeah don't give them a reason not to do it <laughs> i know i was like they don't need any more reasons because they're not doing it they're not doing it um, <laughs> they're not doing it at all. 
have you have you heard anything about as far as the hospital changing policies or any change take place there since this whole thing started? No, I haven't heard too much. I've heard they bought um, AI technology after I left, which was one of my recommendations. So that's wonderful. I asked for that. So I know they did that. Um, It's been all quiet on the Western front. A lot of my friends are quiet again, sadly. So I know that there must be some things getting stirred up in there. (laughs) If... um, people go in or some things change or something's going down. A lot of people go silent on me. And so I, I'm hopeful. I, I have my whole life to keep fighting them. They don't know. They just, I just begun. <laughs> I was like, so, um, I'll keep on um, doing it. And um, I actually, I talked to um, the pharmacy school and they were, I was talking to some more pharmacists that are professors. And I was like, you know, Y'all need to let me come teach some some classes on this. So I'm working on that. And we were talking about theft and they were like, man, it's everywhere. And I was like, yeah, that's our responsibility. Y'all need to buck up and show up, you know? So um, I think I'm trying to focus. I'm trying to switch the focus to in- incentivize them to do the right thing. And I definitely and that- I, I think this, this is what you should do. You need to be like Leonardo DiCaprio in the movie where he was impersonating everybody and forging checks. Mm. Yes, that's one of my favorite movies. The federal government hires him to find a way to make checks impervious to being forged or otherwise. Yeah, catch me. They need to hire you for what you're teaching now, which is how to track narcotic theft or any other drug theft. Admittedly, I've told the DEA multiple times I'd love to come help them. I was like, I'll yeah. give you, I'll do you a solid. I'll come teach you what I know. I was like, I'll be super excited to do so. You tell me someone that wants to work with the DEA willingly. Like, nah. Yeah, I love that. That was what that's one of my favorite movies, Catch Me Forget. Yeah. That's what I'm hoping for. I am. I've, I'm in the back of my head. I was like, it may be 40 years that they pull me out as a grandma. And I, you know, come rolling in with some robots and be like, oh, this is how they did it when I was a kiddo. <laughs> but I'll be there. <laughs> How's your dad doing? Another question. How's your dad doing working there with you? Oh, my dad. We're having fun. Um, we're loving working together. Um, I'm going to bring him with me to Austin. I'm going to try to take him to the Capitol and us walk the Capitol together and have a father-daughter, um, co-worker, pharmacist experience because um, he has such a breadth of knowledge and he's been doing it so long. When he says things, it just has a bigger meaning. You know, he'll mm-hmm. sit there and um, when this all came out and I was, this was happening, he told me, he was like, honey, you just got to do it. I mean, I had a pharmacist overdose in the bathroom sticking mm. needles in his toes and died and I just had to do it you know this is just what you got to do kid and um I like his perspective because I can sit there and be like yo we're not doing it and he's like I fired the guy you know <laughs> while he died or something so you can see like you know how far we came in um theft it's like the smash and grab everyone just thinks it's a get out of jail free card everybody's smash and grabbing everything so um our society has just become so selfish. And I think that that's honestly the true thing of addiction. 
and selfishness. Mm. If yeah. you take Good away point. the sin and the perversion and all of it, right, it comes down to selfishness. Mm. Yeah. Amen. Any other questions we round out? Just uh, here's a little trivial thing for you. And I thought this was fascinating. I found this today yeah. uh, out of out of all the addictions, uh, like, for example, alcohol, nicotine, THC, opioids, cocaine, gambling, anger as a way of of of, uh, of coping. <laughs> That's yeah. an addiction. Uh, food. Uh, catch this, that technology sex and work are not recognized as addictions by the american psychiatric association in their latest and most recent edition of diagnostic and statistical manual of mental disorders so they have taken those off off the addiction list you know i i just find it it's wild okay. <laughs> it's wild good grief wow <laughs> Just stacking their house of cards. Yeah. So oh my goodness. To explain. Well. Issues later. <laughs> well, Georgette, we sure we sure appreciate you. We sure have been praying for you too. We know you got the cases pending, things happening, but uh, you have been a light. You've been mm -hmm. a light in the darkness. You've been a light. You're an encouraging to everybody, and uh, and we just we want to see. All these things come together to take care of what you're doing. And uh, we're just behind you all the way, as is. And Charles Lingerfeld said to tell you that, too. So um, we're going to continue to pray for you. We're going to have to go now. We're coming to the end of our time. Oh, but, uh, wow. yeah, we. Uh, I guess somebody watching the clock. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> no. Always have so much fun. That's okay. I forgot about it, too. So, But actually, TJ's not here. So. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm in a foreign land being in the studio. So I don't know. Hi, everybody. Here's Doug. Yeah. So uh, we, we just, we're going to go ahead and sign out. And hey, if you're listening tonight to Raising Expectations, you're part of our family. We want to have this show to encourage you, to strengthen you, to let you know there are people like Dr. Georgette Nichols, who's on top of things, who lives by your integrity, who walk with the Lord Jesus Christ and the knowledge that she has. And uh, thanks to the whole team for sharing that with her tonight. So God bless you and keep you. And uh, oh, you had that up. Oh, my goodness. He's got so many buttons. This is so exciting. I haven't got a clue what's going on, but it's really thrilling to see what's happening. <laughs> Oh, okay, real quick, real quick, uh, Steph, give a quick word, and he's got the button. No, I just need to hit the button to show the. <laughs> yeah, go ahead, Steph. Give your speech. Oh, uh, you can do it if you go to bbsradio.com forward slash raising expectations. We love your money. We make good use of it here. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Friends. Thanks for joining us on this week's program of Raising Expectations. We profoundly hope you found it engaging and at times humorous, but most of all, uplifting, so that we may, with you, one topic at a time each week, become more encouraged to move forward to an exciting future in, as we always say, this thing called life in America today. So let not your hearts be troubled, your family, finances, faith, freedom, it can be a great future as we talk, listen, respect, and pull together. Please let me hear from you. 
You can reach me at 972-922-8556. That's 972-922-8556 or Joe Schofield on Facebook or LinkedIn. It'd be a pleasure to know you and we hope you'll listen in again next week on the BBS Radio Network.